the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Final hour of our special pre-recorded New Year's Eve final show of the year. If you missed the last hour, grab that podcast. Great interviews with Raheem Kassam and Antifa Hunter, Andy No. I'm Randy Corcoran, still unafraid to stand in the fray with you, to say no, hell no, to the corrupt, coordinated, Democrat-controlled media machine, and to shout no, scream hell no to the Democrats and Republicans who won't do the same. We'll be back live next Saturday, 5 to 8 p.m., but right now we've got a lot to do. It's New Year's Eve, so many of you will be listening later on the podcast. If that's you, be sure and subscribe, like, and share. My intention, my goal is to do my part to grow this movement faster in 2023. Now, regular listeners know that I'm both Tea Party chair and the elected Republican National Committee man for Colorado, one of the 168 who will decide the next chairman for the Republican National Committee. And as promised, this hour, we're speaking to the top three declared candidates for the position. Current Chair Ronna McDaniel, civil rights attorney and current National Committee woman for California, Harmeet Dillon, and our next guest, entrepreneur, philanthropist, founder of the amazing America First Company, MyPillow, and truly the one and only God-fearing, country-loving, heat-seeking missile himself, Mike Lindell. Mike, good evening. Welcome to Denver. Oh, thanks for having me on. Better believe it. Where do we find you as we record this on Thursday? I'm in Texas right now, and uh, it's even cold down here. Is it really? (laughs) Yeah, we just got bombarded with snow uh, on Thursday morning. Before we jump into the RNC race, your path to ultimate success, to me, is a personal inspiration. You know, I grew up as a party kid. I dropped out of high school at 15. I never went back, left home at 17, didn't become a lawyer until I was 38. That was 25 years ago. And I bring it up because as you lay out in your book, what are the odds from crack addict to CEO, man, without grit, without the right people at the right time, and especially without faith in and forgiveness of God almighty, I really understand that people like you and me might not be here at all, and we certainly wouldn't be involved in this epic battle for freedom. Your thoughts? Yeah, exactly. Uh, God chased me my whole life, and uh, I uh, wasn't saved until February 18, 2017, so that's not too long ago. I always wanted to be that, uh, um, you know, I wore my cross even in my commercials. I wanted to be that person, but I I was going down some bad paths, and— I was had a lot of protection and a lot of uh, divine intervention, and uh, God's blessed me with this huge platform uh, for such a time as this, and uh, I, it's been uh, it's been amazing. Well, it truly is, and you know I've I've heard you speak, I've been with you, um, you can really feel your heart when you get a chance to have those sort of you know, non-public conversations. And uh, I really do appreciate that. Let's jump into the chair race. You and I have exchanged texts and phone calls, but we have not spoken since you announced your intention to run. So, you know, our listeners and I will get this fresh tonight. My first question for you, though, is, man, your plate's full. You've got my pillow, of course, your foundation for addicts, uh, 
uh, my t- uh, Frank TV, you're personally under constant spiritual and legal attack, social media censorship, a lot of important work on your plate. Why run for RNC chair? Well, it's, I think it's the most important thing at this time in uh, history, and for me anyway. And I, I was approached uh, by actually big donors. I was a big donor myself at one point to the RNC, and I was approached by donors saying, we need a change, or we're not going to be donating any more money. And and then I looked at it, and I've uh, you know I look at all these different Fs in a row: 2018, 2020, 2021 runoff, the 2022 election, and the 2022 runoff in Georgia. Well, when you're chairman, uh, that's your that's the return on the investment uh, of the uh, of the donors, and it's not happening, and it's. Uh, it needs to be fixed. I believe that I can fix it, and in and in some pretty short order. I've uh, I've dealt with uh, you know I have a huge company, my pillow, two thousand employees, and we. Uh, I have a great uh, when you say we having so much on my plate. I have such a good um, good people that surround me there. It's like careers. I have five hundred of my uh, employees have my direct phone number, and they don't call unless there's a deviation or a block, and. So when I can be out doing stuff uh, to help the country like I have the last couple of years, um, if I don't get a phone call, I have a piece about me that everything's running smooth. And uh, so we have a very unique situation with my pillow. And we uh, we always look at each thing, uh, each deviation and say, uh, how did it happen? And if it's a good deviation, we we uh, copy it or improve on it. If it's a bad deviation, we we fix it and we don't do it again. We don't repeat the same mistake. And um, I really look at uh, at my, you know all the diversity that I face when people say, well, what does he know about uh, running the RNC? Well, probably more than anyone as far as uh, when it, the, the other candidates because I brand big businesses. This is a huge business. This is so important to our country this organization and and i view uh i would do each state like my only state every every one of the 168 like my only one of the 168 and and every donor like it's the only donor and you gotta you gotta do that and you have to uh uh put in the time right now i've uh over the past couple years my days are 18 hour days but most of it's going to uh, help the country, and I've been there from the lowest level with the RNC, with the precinct level. I've been working with them. We filled over, I think, almost 200,000 um, uh, spots in that, and uh, I've been working with politicians, up to a lot of attorney generals, secretary of states, uh, legislatures. So I feel I'm two years ahead of where we need to be with the RNC with what I have going on right now. And you need to fix. You can't have the same input and expect a different output. And you can't stay status quo. Um, the uh, the things that I really believe need to be fixed. So one of the things that stands out is is the, to get a donor dollar. This was very concerning to me when I actually I heard from uh, Harmeet that uh, um, that it was like forty cents to get to to go fundraise a dollar and to me that's not acceptable um if you if you have to pay if i if i'm a big donor and i put in a hundred thousand dollars and only sixty thousand is going to the cost and then how much of that 60 is actually spent well is it the best marketing that's my wheelhouse is marketing and uh i make the time i would go to every state i would i've been talking to a lot of the 168 and 
and uh, their problem, asking them what they feel the problems are. One of them is communication. Um, they, uh, I would, I think, I need, there needs to be a communication thing set up, like I have um, with um, my other companies, um, and uh, it would be like, uh, you know, I view 168 heads are better than one, and I've heard there's a lot of a lot of the decisions they're not even involved in, and uh, I think that's wrong. I think we're all in this together, and we've got to save our country, and the RNC is a huge, huge platform that needs to be saved right now. Talking with uh, MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, a candidate for RNC chair. I'm one of the 168 who will make that vote here almost a little less than a month now from tonight. And uh, you've already answered my question. This You would certainly take this on full time. We've got a state race where one of the potential candidates is also uh, an elected official and, and thinks that they're going to juggle both. And, and you know, I haven't really talked that through with that person. But certainly for the RNC, a, a billion-dollar-plus corporation now uh, with so much at stake, presidential race coming up, et cetera, uh, full-time focus is critical, and it sounds like you're committing to that right here and right now. A- absolutely, 100% commitment. And and also, I would, uh, um, you know, I asked why, uh, particularly asked why McDaniel would want to even run again when she said she didn't, she wasn't going to. Uh, a while back, but uh, if you failed that many times as a football coach or a CEO and you love your country, you better, you know, why go in there? And people keep saying that they have different reasons, but if one of them's money, I can tell you right now, that's for me, I'm going to, I would donate my salary back to the RNC in its new form because it's going to produce results. And I would, it'd be full time. I'd be traveling just like I am now. I spend 16 to 18 hours a day I have been, and right now, everything I've done is kind of in the hands that we have over, over 50 lawsuits going on for election law changes and stuff, and and um, and so a lot of that's already set, so the, the work I've done now, the fruits of that are going to be coming over the next year, year and a half, but, uh, um, you know, I need, uh, I need to put my, my resources and my time into what I think will help our country the most, and that's getting the RNC righted. And I'll tell you one thing, when I look a donor in the eye and say, hey, you put your money in here, and you every, every, the, uh, I will maximize that dollar and I will also put it to the best place to get the return on the investment. And I, I think that they, uh, the RNC has not even caught up to uh, uh, digital marketing and stuff. I think they're still a little old school in a lot of things. I've done a lot of due diligence with it. And uh, it needs to catch up. It needs to get here now. We need to get, we need to get a lot of things done. We need to, you know, that uh, get involved with cleaning up voter rolls, cleaning up uh, registrations, cleaning up election systems, and uh, and then also in the marketing for uh, for candidates and for when you're when you're campaigning. Uh, that's my wheelhouse. I know how to market, and uh, I'm very good at it. And I just feel I, the reason I'm getting in is because I don't feel that there's a qualified person that it's too, I love my country too much. And I want to, I want to uh, do everything I can and uh, to, um, to save it. And we've, and I'm very transparent. Everybody knows that Um, there won't be anything hidden in the RNC. I'll tell you that all 168 will know what's going on. The States will know what's going on. I've dealt with the uh, States all the way down. Like I say, with the uh, precinct down to the precinct level. So, I'm, uh, I got a very fast couple of year uh, 
education and politics over the yeah, last boy. year. Have you ever. <laughs> Mike, we've got uh, probably about five minutes left in our conversation. You mentioned the, the marketing and the fundraising. And, you know, after all of the losses and, we, you know, we got the house and that's a great thing. But after all of the the unexpected red fizzle. Um, the fundraising emails and texts I get from the RNC still say, have we lost you? Where did you go? We can't believe we right. haven't heard from you. And then I get a letter mm-hmm. from the DNC that says, costs a lot of money to beat these crazy Republicans. And, uh, you know, can you start now with your $3 a month? And it's just the difference and, and the easy it's easy for me to see what why they're so successful at raising money on the other side so i'm glad that would be a a big approach we need to respect our donors you mentioned transparency absolutely yeah go ahead yeah yeah absolutely and you know i was one i've been there and uh and i and they're in you know they even the micro donor and the the macro donor you can't keep sending out the same i call it uh garbage emails i mean it's just like oh we need this and then and then you you don't update people on, you know, where's our successes here? Um, you know, where, you know, you have to, they have to feel they're part of this and, and not just put money in a, in a hole um, that's been going on for years now. And um, I, uh, I'll tell you what, when I've, if you know, in the last couple of years, I didn't even reach out for any help for over a year and a half. I wanted to, I wanted to show to show anyone that wanted to help out. Hey, here's, Here's the fruits of what I'm doing. Here's what's going on. I want to be able to look these donors in the eye or, or look at that email or whatever it is, the digital marketing and say, hey, here's what we've done and here's where we're getting there and here's what your dollar's going to do and here's how it's going to help. And uh, and that's what it is. And and we've got it. You have to get return on your investment. You just can't keep with the same input. That's why we need new leadership and we need it immediately. And I love to hear you talking about transparency. I'm in my first four-year term as RNC committee man. I don't know that I'll run again, but my point is I've been there two years, and there's just so much I don't understand about the inner workings. It, it like It's like there's a sort of an executive group over here, and then the rest of us who, you know, have a role, and we vote, and, and we debate, and we interact. But man, oh, man, I want to understand where those dollars are going while they're being spent and, and things like that. So a promise of transparency means an awful lot to me. J- just prior right. to our to this interview, Mike, I was on the weekly voluntary RNC prayer call that we do on Thursdays, and our devotional was given today by Father Frank Pavone. He's the defrocked just this week, I think, by the Catholic Church a priest, and he was defrocked for his unwavering and effective defense of the innocent, helpless, unborn. What's the role of faith of God in your decisions? Should that influence decisions and actions of the RNC? Yeah, absolutely. With all my businesses, I um, we pray about other decisions, and uh, we're in a, we're in a spiritual battle of epic proportions. And I even prayed whether or not to run for the RNC chair. This was a big couple of days of praying and a couple of days of praying and um this will be a um this this is everything i do i kind of base it on proverbs 3 5 6 trust in the lord with all your heart lean on not lean on not on your own expectations in all ways acknowledge him and he will guide your paths well we need to go down we need to make some great decisions and we need god and god's had his hand in all this and i always encourage people that uh, in spite of the last few years, you know, it's been eye-opening. I always say the 2020 election will go down as one of the most important in history because of it. I believe that it's it's been so educational. Everybody, it's, so many things have been revealed 
And one of the things that needs to be uh, changed is uh, is we need to uh, uh, change our election systems. We need to we need to change our, our leadership in the RNC, and we need to uh, um, to change the way we do things to catch up with technology in the in the digital marketing and everything else. One of the things too I want to say is I. I will go to every single state and territory and help them fundraise individually. That's one of the things I've been hearing that they've been getting promises from uh, current leadership and, and or in the past or whatever. Well, that's one thing I'm very, very good at. I, I can make appearances and, and fundraise for each state individually. Cause like I say, we have to, we have to, we're all in this together. It can't just be this little click at the top and, and uh, with, but we have to, we're all in this together with God leading the way, and uh, we have to have our faith in God and get, get this nation back to one nation under God, and, uh, and, uh, and, we, and we're going to get there. Before we run out of time, last question, and then I'll leave you a few, minute, a few seconds for uh, final comments, but can you win? Rana claims that she's got it sewed up with some of the uh, insiders, long-termers on the RNC. Harmeet Dillon has been doing a massive, you know, media push. The vast majority of emails I get literally from around the country for RNC committee or for RNC chair are um, saying support Harmeet. I'm not sure that many people yet know that you're even running. So how do you flip those numbers around and come out on top? Well, we've got uh, we've got three weeks, uh, or a little over three weeks, and I'm uh, I've been doing it on an individual basis, but I'm uh I'm not worried about what Rana says she has, and uh, because this is a this is a secret ballot, so they can tell her all they want. Now I have talked to a few that aren't going to change, or at least they tell me that because the promises that she made or that she that she did for their own state, and they uh, I thought that was kind of disturbing. It was almost like buying votes there, but um, I think once people here, once the 168 here, and really, um, you know. Uh, weigh everything and say, well, who's better to, ch- um, I've proven what I, what, uh, where, where I stand, um, with transparency, with, uh, my own resources. I've done it in the last two years. I've done, I will do whatever it takes. And I, I believe that, um, Harmeet will be basically, she was there. Rana said something the other day. Rana said, well, Harmeet knew what was going, what was getting spent. And so are you getting, um, do you want something out, you know, that's going to change? If you want something that's going to change, you have to have a different input. And I really believe once we get done over the next three weeks and we get to California, that uh, I'll be in very good shape there. And uh, um, you know, it'll be by then it'll be in uh, it'll be in whatever God whatever God wants. Um, and, uh, I know he I know he wanted me to run, and I'm uh, confident that. Uh, People will really look into the situation of our country and realize we have to have a change. Mike Lindell, we appreciate your time, your heart. Thank you. God bless and protect you, my friend, and Happy New Year. Yep, thank you. God bless you, everybody. Happy New Year. All right, stick around. Harmeet Dillon, interview number two. That's next on Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, 710-KNUS. We're back, final hour of our special pre-recorded New Year's Eve final show of the year. If you missed the last hour, grab the podcast. Great interviews with Raheem Kassam and Antifa hunter Andy No. Obviously, no calls tonight, but please grab the 710KNUS free-to-download app. Text to studio all you want. I have access to those, and I will respond to every single one over this New Year's weekend. I promise. We just wrapped up. I think we have to say... 
our interview with the underdog in the RNC chair race. That's Mike Lindell. We'll wrap up the hour with current RNC chair, Ronna McDaniel. And now the person who, at this moment anyway, based on the hundreds of emails I've received, the grassroots favorite, civil rights attorney extraordinaire, and RNC committee woman from California, Harmeet Dillon joins the show. Harmeet, Happy New Year, and welcome back to Denver. Happy New Year, Randy. Happy to be here with you. Really good to have you, and um, there's just no doubt about it, given what I have seen around the country, uh, different uh, contingents, Arizona, other states coming out in full-throated support of you, the number of emails, hundreds for me, thousands I know for others, um, saying, vote Harmeet, vote Harmeet. The grassroots certainly seems to have your back. How's the race going right now from your perspective? Well, I think it's great. I entered the race uh, after, uh, you know, our chair, Rana, decided to run for a fourth term, which was a bit of a surprise to most of us since she had promised to only run for three terms. And so I'm running a grassroots oriented campaign. I don't have a highly paid staff. I'm not utilizing the entire staff of the Republican National Committee to help me with my campaign. I'm, you know, kind of kind of grassroots. So that's what it is. We're we're calling people. We are uh, trying to articulate our our alternative vision for the future, i.e. a winning future for the RNC, both to members and in the media. And yes, I'm I'm heartened by the organic grassroots support for us. I mean, I think some members love hearing from the grassroots in the party and, and frankly, some don't. And, you know, I think that's to each his or her own. But overall, we need to convince the 168 members of the RNC that I'm the better choice to lead the party for the next two years. And and I don't think that's a difficult case to make if you simply look at the facts. And the facts are, this is not personal, but the facts are that under the current leadership, we've lost the House, the White House, and the Senate at different times. We have promised great results, and we have fallen short again and again. And, you know, there's a lot of blame point blame being assigned around, but none of it is being, you know, directed in a self-aware way at mistakes we would have made at the RNC over the last uh, two years. Let's just talk about the last two years. We had significant changes in our voting laws as a result of COVID and both Republican and Democrat governors and other parties went along with those. And so I think you might be able to give the party somewhat of a pass in not catching up to those laws, even as the Democrats uh, enthusiastically harness them to turn out the vote for themselves in 2020. I'm not sure how you give the party a pass in 2022 in not adapting to those changed voting laws. And now, you know, the RNC is happy to take credit where we went a state like California, like New York, like Florida. But in fact, I know from California, our very hardworking state party team is really responsible for pioneering ballot harvesting, early voting, and ballot curing in the state. We don't like any of these uh, types of voting or practices, but if you can't change the law, you must maximize your ability to win under those laws. And so that leadership has really come from the states and not from the RNC. And I think another thing that really concerns me is how we're going to be doing in fundraising over the next two years, given both not having the White House and also lackluster slash poor performance in uh, in the recent election. So, you know, a lot of voters are dis- disenfranchised, disaffected. A lot of donors, large and small, are also dropped off dramatically. And, you know, I say that as someone who does my best to help the party raise money uh, with respect to issues that people care about, like election integrity litigation and other issues like that. And 
you know, as you know, Randy, I'm one of the leading attorneys in the country on the Republican side and challenging election laws that are unfair and consistent with our constitution, do not promote voter integrity or otherwise are bad for, for Republicans to win elections. And so, you know, I feel like with all of that background and experience, over 35 years of activism, which I think is a much longer track record than, you know, just about anybody else on the RNC of my age group can demonstrate. I think I have both a pulse on the grassroots of the party, but also the establishment credentials that are necessary to navigate all of these complex waters. And so, look, this is not personal. This is not about personalities or uh, pointing fingers. It's about how do we best win as a party in 2024? And I think it's clear that if we continue to do the same thing as we've done over the last six years, we are not going to win in 2024. And that's what you and I are there for at the RNC is to help our party win. And no question about it for me, the reason I went ahead and took on the challenge of getting elected as RNC committee man in Colorado when when it was brought up to me was because I'm a grassroots guy. I wanted to make sure there was a grassroots voice for Colorado on the Republican National Committee. Knew very little about it, uh, didn't understand really how it worked or what all my role would be going in. And I got to say, after two years, uh, some of those questions remain unanswered. You know, I was given a, a role on the grassroots committee, a new temporary committee, maybe made permanent. I don't know. We were allowed to make recommendations. We did some some great things with, uh, you know, hand handbooks for elections for the states and, and different things like that. But the lack of transparency that I have sensed on the RNC, you know, you've been there a while and you're higher up the food chain. So maybe that doesn't happen with you. How would you make it easier for people like me on the committee and then especially grassroots supporters who want to know more about how we're spending our money, what challenges we're going to take on to make sure 2024 is a is a more secure and fair election uh, on and on and on? Well, you you put your finger on a very important issue. It's transparency. You also put your finger on how the RNC operates. Temporary committees, yes, both members of the grassroots committee and our election integrity committee, asked the chair to, you know, move to make those committees permanent. She's refused to do that. Um, you know, and then the response is, well, why didn't you make a motion to the rules committee? Well, the rules committee is also chaired by somebody appointed by the chair. She controls that committee as well. I'm on the rules committee. Uh, and so, Transparency is my, one of my biggest complaints, and it has been since day one at the RNC. Even members of the budget committee don't get line item budgets. They aren't trusted with that information. As a result, nobody is equipped with the information to, uh, you know, sort of fully question some of the spending, some of which is necessary and appropriate, some of which I think is highly questionable and indeed inappropriate at the RNC. So if you don't have the information, you can't question it. We have our phones taken away from us at uh, member-only meetings because we're not trusted to, uh, you know, keep confidences. And that's 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 what you do to kindergartners. It's not what you do to fully grown adults who are leaders in their state parties. Um, try to get any information about, say, WinRed. Who's on the board of WinRed? How does it operate? No information is forthcoming. You don't need to know that. Um, and you know, generally speaking, if you were even to ask any, like, what I've been calling state uh, party chairs and. And some of them say, well, Rana gave X dollars to our committee, so we're really thankful for that. Well, you know, that's donor money, number one. But number two, if you don't know what that number is relative to what other states that are similar to yours with similar congressional races got, you have no, you have no understanding what that means. I've, I've actually looked up that information, and I think it's quite startling, the differences that I've seen. So 
I think uh, the only reason why you don't have transparency in a corporation is because you want to maintain control through tight control of information. But we do represent, not directly, Randy, as you know, we represent indirectly the voters of our states. I mean, voters in California elect uh, delegates to the state party or nominees elect delegates to the state party. So that's one level removed. And then the delegates elect the national committee man, committee woman, and state party chair. So we represent the voters in our state. If we don't have the information about fundamental issues at the RNC, we're hampered in our ability to do that. And so I think, you know, this is too important, losing elections and, and the suffering that Americans are going through as a result, as a direct result of that. The judges who are going to be appointed as a direct result of our failure to hold the Senate, it is too important to just let it go by and say, oh, we're friends and what, we shouldn't challenge our friends and shouldn't challenge the incumbent. I don't believe in that. And, you know, you took on an incumbent. I took on an incumbent to become the national committee woman for some of the same reason. And I, I believe I've done my job to be representative of the people in California. And I wouldn't be doing that job if I sort of nodded politely, like we're at a tea party and said, everything is perfectly fine here. Let's stay the course. Let's stay the course means in sailing terms, if you're heading towards the rocks, you're going to founder on those rocks. You need to make adjustments to your sail, uh, find out how the wind is blowing um, and, and, and alter your course to avoid crashing. We're talking with Harmie Dillon, the Republican National Co- Committee woman from California running for RNC chair. That vote will happen now in less than a month. And something that I often see happen here in Colorado, Harmeet, is there'll be an establishment candidate. And then uh, several people from the grassroots will get involved and they will take votes away and allow the establishment or the incumbent candidate to continue how do you avoid that problem with you and Mike Lindell both trying to challenge Ronna McDaniel? Well, so first of all, what you just described is exactly how our RNC elections run. <laughs> if, uh, if the chair doesn't like a challenger, let's say for treasurer or co-chair or whatever, you know, they'll recruit somebody else or they'll recruit somebody to run against you. And, you know, they, they just don't want the people, the voters to be able to decide. But in this case, Mike Lindell is, a, is an American Patriot, he's genuinely stepping up because he, like I, do not like, does not like the direction of the RNC. But I don't think it's really going to be vote splitting per se. You know, we have multiple rounds of voting at the RNC. It isn't sort of like a ranked choice where the loser drops off. And if he if he stays in this race, um, he, I think he's facing some uphill wins because not because of his ideas, but because people do prefer a member of the RNC to be the chair of the RNC. Um, then you know, we're probably going to be singing some of the same tunes. So I'm not too worried about it. I think that uh, the fact that you see multiple people running reflects the deep concern in our country about the direction of our party. And the good news is that it is a secret vote. You know, people can make promises and then change their mind. Uh, We'll all be hearing from the candidates at the RNC meeting coming up the last full week of January. And so, uh, you know, and if, if God is in control, I guess the outcome comes the way it needs to. I, uh, I've i just been so appreciative of you over the last several years of COVID because of the uh, ability to access great work that you've done, talk to lawyers at your firm as we wade into those similar issues here in Colorado. And I will just tell you, we've only got a minute or so, but I will just tell you that the vast majority of the emails that I receive that are, and they are in support of you, talk about primarily your election and litigation experience, because it seems to me like an awful lot of Republican voters 
still believe that getting these elections under control is priority one. I'll give you about uh, a minute to wrap up here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, it doesn't matter how many doors you knocked or how many calls you tried to place or how many voters you turned out. If they're not voting for your candidate, you're not winning the election. It is a zero sum game in politics. And in turn, if the Democrats have changed the laws to advantage themselves and we haven't learned to adapt to them, we don't win elections. It's really that basic. And so, you know, one of the knocks against me is, you know, you haven't run up the RNC before. Well, obviously. And, you know, Rana did not run the RNC before either. But what I do know is I'm capable as a lawyer of sensing change conditions like we do in front of a judge and adapting. And I think that's really critical. And that skill is, is I think, lacking in our current leadership at the RNC. So if we want to win in 2024 and, frankly, even elections in off years, we must change and adapt or we will become irrelevant as a party. And we cannot. America needs a vibrant two-party system to protect our citizens from tyranny. So thank you for having me, Randy. You bet, Harmi. Got to leave it there. God bless. Happy New Year. And we'll see you on the campaign trail and in California next month. Happy New Year, Randy. All right. All right. Number three of the top three candidates, the current chair of the RNC, Ronna McDaniel. She's next. Stay with us here. 710 KNUS. Man, time flies when you're having fun. Final segment of the final hour of the final show of 2022. We pre-recorded this special New Year's Eve show, so no calls, but please text away to the studio on the free-to-download 710KNUS app. Whether you're listening on air, by podcast later, I do read those texts all the time, and I love responding to you there. We're back live next Saturday with an added hour, 5 to 8 p.m., Now, if you missed the first hour, make sure you grab that podcast, too, at 710knus.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for Wake Up with Randy Corcoran, killer interviews with Raheem Kassam and Andy No. Back to business, though. We've spent this hour with the top contenders for RNC chair, Mike Lindell and Harmeet Dillon. Now it's time to talk to the current champ, former chair of the Michigan State GOP, handpicked, I think, by Donald Trump to head the RNC starting in 2016. She's running for her fourth term to drive the bus, RNC chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. Ronna, welcome back to Denver. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, and Happy New Year. I think I'm going to be the first one to wish you Happy New Year on your show. That is awesome. And, um, you know, as a first-timer on the RNC, I'm in my first term. You're the only RNC chair I've known. For your last term, in fact, I think with the endorsement of Trump, you were voted in by acclamation. You were unopposed last time. Is that right? That is correct, yes. All right. And You've been there now three terms, and really the RNC has seen some historic changes during your tenure. What are you most proud of? I think some of the things that people don't recognize that the RNC took charge of uh, that we weren't doing before, which is voter registration. For the first time ever, Republicans took the lead in voter reg in Florida, states like North Carolina, Iowa, states where we had huge red waves this year. I think a lot of that can be attributed to our voter reg our minority outreach efforts, as well as our election integrity efforts. This is the first cycle in 40 years that the RNC was able to actually recruit and have poll watchers and poll workers. And many people don't know that the RNC was prohibited from doing that. And I think that was a a huge gain for our party and something we need to do going forward. Yeah, I've explained on this show several times about the consent decree. And for literally four decades, the RNC had its hands tied behind its back. And I've also, during the show, uh, over the last year, 
when people call in and they complain about leadership, complain about the RNC. And I've learned, you know, as a Tea Party leader, that as soon as you get into leadership, you're now part of the establishment. But uh, um, I have said that uh, one thing that I've really appreciated is you've been the most litigious RNC chair, probably in its history, in the area of election integrity. Talk about that a minute. Yeah, I think it's critical that we fight these bad laws, things like ranked choice voting. This is what the Democrats want to do. We just saw this in Alaska. We, we were fighting it across the country. But another lawsuit that we had this year that I think was hugely impactful was in New York. They passed a law that allowed non-citizens to vote in municipal elections, which would have allowed 900,000 people to vote in the recent New York election. And the RNC sued. And we won at the Supreme Court level, at the state level, which prevented that. But that's their way, right, to go into states and say, oh, we'll let non-citizens vote in municipal elections. We know Election Day workers aren't always going to know which person gets a municipal ballot versus a state ballot versus a federal ballot. And it muddies the waters. And the RNC has really taken the lead on fighting the Democrats. Uh, we need more fighters out there. The RNC, you know, the most we can raise into our legal fund is 100000 per person um, um, per year. So it, it's not enough. We need more manpower out there fighting this. But I think it's been critical what the RNC has done to date on, on suing. And a lot of these big battles helped us win in states like New York, where we picked up four house seats. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that in spite of, you know, not a dismal outcome. We'll talk about the outcome of 2022, not the red wave that so many were hoping for and expected. But uh, the Republicans, I think for the first time in a long time, actually won the national popular vote in these congressional races. Correct. We won the national popular vote. And we also, in every battleground state that the RNC was in, with the exception of Pennsylvania, we won statewide, right? So New Hampshire, we won statewide. Arizona, we won statewide. Actually, the top vote getter in Arizona was a Republican. Wisconsin, we won statewide. Florida, we had a red wave. Iowa, Ohio, North Carolina. Also, Nevada, we won statewide. We flipped a governorship. So I think the thing that I understand the frustration of the grassroots, I really do. I am a grassroots person. My first foray into politics was the establishment coming and um, going against my mom as she ran for Senate and fighting that as a as a young woman. Uh, I know how to knock doors. I love knocking doors. Uh, but I think the RNC isn't responsible for picking the candidates. We can't. We want the voters to pick the candidates. We don't anoint the candidates. We don't do the messaging for the campaigns. But in far, as far as turnout, the RNC delivered with more people turning out ever in this election, winning the popular vote, and then state by state, winning statewide to show that the turnout worked, but we do need to hold consultants accountable and look as to why some Republicans didn't vote for other Republicans or independents didn't come our way. I see articles. I read, obviously, social media. You hear a lot of things. And, and there's still a lot I don't understand about the inner workings of the RNC, how it's connected to uh, you know, the Senate pack, Mitch, McCann, Mitch McConnell's money, Kevin McCarthy's money, that sort of thing. You said we can't pick the candidates. Is there a way that the RNC can influence the outcome of those? You know, who gets the support? Who gets the big money? I've heard people complaining that, for instance, there wasn't enough money put in behind Blake Masters in Arizona. Yeah, so we don't – the SLF, Mitch's fund, we can't, we can't work with them. That's a soft money group. The RNC can't work with groups like that or Kevin's group legally. It's not even a choice. I'd go to jail, okay? I'm not going to do that, especially with the Biden administration. They're going to come after everybody. Um, but listen, Randy, we have a very easy way that we can get involved in primaries. It's called a Rule 11, right? 
And I love this because I think it takes it to the local leaders. It allows the three RNC members of any state to say, this is our candidate prior to the primary. And that is the only mechanism by which the RNC can get involved in a primary. And I personally, when I was head of Michigan or I was a national party woman of Michigan, I would not have liked the national party coming into my state and saying, this is gonna be the nominee without talking to me as a local leader. I don't think you would like that either. Um, And so I think this is the way, the only mechanism, it's in our bylaws, it's part of how the RNC rules. I'm a big fan of letting the voters decide and we support who the voters choose because they are the grassroots and they're the ones who are going to make the best determination of who the nominee should be because they're seeing all of the um, campaigning firsthand and seeing how that candidate's inter- connecting with them. So, um, But the RNC only has one mechanism and in that case, we can't get involved. So Michigan, for example, did a Rule 11 for John James and made him the presumptive nominee before the August primary, which allowed us to work with his campaign um, prior to that. He had no opponent in that race, so it was a a win-win because it allowed us to coordinate with his campaign well before an August primary. Um, But, you know, I don't know about you, Randy. I'm not a big fan of Washington elites coming in and telling um, grassroots who their nominee should be. No, I agree with that. And for folks who don't know, first, we're talking with Ronna McDaniel, the current chair of the Republican National Committee. And the three people she's talking about from the committee in Colorado would be the Republican National Committee women, currently Vera Ortegan, and um, and our current chair, Christy Burton-Brown. And the problem, of course, is we have a – well, not of course. You wouldn't know this necessarily. But in our state, we also have a state rule prohibiting participation or taking sides in primaries. So it might be something to look at going ahead because, uh, boy, we had a divided uh, bunch of can- candidates and, and battles going into our primaries and after. It was very hard to bring people together. We got wiped out here in Colorado. And I know it's early. You've, got a, you've put a committee together to look at the outcome, uh, mistakes that were made, things that we did great, things that we could do better. Any sense at all about Colorado yet? I know you've got 50 states to think about. I mean, Colorado's been a tough state. You've becoming more and more blue. You've had an influx of Californians come into your state. And um, here's what I'll say, Randy. When we stick with our platform and we stick with our principles, we win voters. And that's what people want to see from the Republican Party. And I think we need to, um, in a post-Dobbs world, really be able to articulate why we're pro-life and why we stand for mothers and babies and why we stand for the word woman being used and not obliterating the word mom from our vernacular. And these are things that, um, as a from a value set of our party, we need to be able to articulate and push back on the Democrats, especially as we saw what happened in the pandemic and our kids being locked out of the classroom and forced to wear masks. And so I think, you know, we have to talk about economic issues as a party, but we also have to talk about family and values and the things that we stand for. And I think when we do that, we do well. I think a lot of our candidates um, chose to ignore those issues this election. Their consultants said, oh, don't talk about being pro-life. Let's not talk about that. Um, I disagreed. I put out a memo saying the opposite. I said, if Democrats are spending $30 million against you on an issue, you, you should be able to articulate what you stand for. And I think voters respect that when you, you're honest about who you are and what you stand for. And I think going forward, that's, that's one of the, the advice, that one piece of advice I would give our candidates. I'm going to create a best practices 
um, manual for our candidates going forward. A lot of our candidates were taken advantage of. We have great consultants, but we have consultants who take way too much of the media buy. They make more money on TV, so they forego a ground game. They forego an absentee mail program or chase program. Um, we really need to help our candidates um, have the best messaging and also um, not be taken advantage of by consultants. Because you know what? Nobody knows who the consultants are at the end of the day. They don't know their names. They make a lot of money. And we need to help our candidates navigate that better. It's the New Year's Eve special on 710 KNUS. I'm Randy Corcoran. We've had the uh, top candidates for RNC chair. We've got the current RNC chairwoman with us, Ronna McDaniel. Ronna, we've only got about three or four minutes left. If I, if I were list, to listen to the email, social media, some would st- say my constituents, um, they all say it's time for new leadership. Three terms is enough. Uh, we've had in, you know, each election sort of diminishing returns in some ways. And, and I, you listed some great things that have already happened on the RNC, I know, with more to come. But they tell me I need to vote for somebody else. Why are they wrong? Well, I would say there's a lot of misinformation being pushed out. And it's, and it's being done so intentionally to mislead. And I love the grassroots. And I want to talk to you. I will travel. I'm on your show, Randy. I will go everywhere because this is the backbone of our party, Right. People who go knock the doors and work the phone banks and volunteer and are poll watchers and poll workers. And this is what the RNC is all about. So what I would say is, you know, look at the turnout of this election. Look at what the RNC actually does, the infrastructure we built, the voter registration, the election integrity. And look at those things. They worked this cycle. They made it better than it otherwise would have been. And if you pull that down before a presidential year and a year where we will win back the Senate with Montana, West Virginia, Ohio, and Arizona being in play, then we're going to put ourselves at a disadvantage. And I understand the frustration. I think it's being misdirected towards the RNC. And I'm going to push back and say, listen, let's talk about what the RNC actually did. And when you look at the popular vote increasing, when you look at us taking back the House, when you look at us winning statewide in almost every battleground state, the turnout wasn't the issue. But I do think it's fair to say, how do we improve messaging that draws people to our party? And I will say this, too. I think we need to be a party that draws people to us. And scorched earth, attacking other Republicans isn't always going to do that. Um, I, we can have disagreements, but we can do it respectfully. And I look at some of the tenor and tone coming towards me as a grassroots activist, as somebody who's worked hard for this party, and I think this isn't who we want to be as a party, and I will never do that towards another Republican. I may disagree, but we need to remember the Democrats are the ones destroying this country. The Democrats are embracing socialism. They want to stack the Supreme Court. They want to get rid of the word woman. They want to do all these crazy things and, and take over our kids and indoctrinate them in schools, and that's what we're fighting against. And so if we're so hateful for each other that Republicans won't even vote for each other, that's not going to be good, and that's what the Democrats want. I've been remi- so I'm always going to be positive. Yeah, I've been reminding people 22 was a tough Senate calendar with Republicans defending 21 seats, Dems only yeah. around 13. That flips in 2024. I think we've got uh, 10, and they've got to defend 24. So a very good potential year for Republicans. We've got about a minute left. Uh, will there be a debate between you and whatever candidates are still in place when we get to our meeting at the end of January? Yeah, well, there'll be a candidate forum. There'll be that for every single um, position, uh, co-chair, treasurer. I don't think there's a contested secretary race. But listen, the 168, the 168 RNC members, I know a lot of people are learning this for the first time. They are volunteers. Brandy, you are a volunteer. They give their time. They are grassroots. They care. 
we're all caring about this country. This is the body that is most in tune with local party. And I will say this, the RNC, our investment in state parties under my leadership has been the most um, it's ever been because I want to build state parties and county parties. And, and really, I understand how the states work. And the stronger a county party is, the stronger a state party is, the stronger we all are. And that's part of my vision as of an, of an RNC going forward is continuing to invest in our state parties. We got to leave it there. Ronna McDaniel, thank you. God bless. Good luck and happy new year. Thanks, Randy. Happy New Year. Better believe it. And don't forget, we're back live next Saturday with a third hour, 5 to 8 p.m. Happy New Year. Have fun. Be safe. And always remember, God loves you. So do I. And for all the haters, never forget this. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The double champ does what the f*** he wants. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.